Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the first episode of the Cult Spark Podcast in the year of our Lord 2018. I am your host, Bob Taylor, and this is a podcast where we focus on entertainments of the cult and geek varieties. For our first show of 2018, I'm honored to be joined by my friend Terrence Abar, who is here to talk about the Cloverfield Paradox with me. Not just the movie, but how Netflix took another step in blowing up traditional distribution models uh, by releasing it in full to stream mere hours after they dropped the first trailer during the Super Bowl. Terrence, my friend, how's your year going so far? My year is going great. Thank you for asking, Bob. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, so yeah, there's been a lot of great movies, a lot of good video games. So there's a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of good movies in the year 2018. Yeah, definitely. L- like, like, oh, I'm sorry. I um, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to get grilled so soon. Well, um, <laughs> well, is Co- Coco came out what last year, right? <laughs> that's 2017. Uh, yeah, well. I saw it this year, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, so you're counting movies from 2017 that you watched in 2018. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, okay. Look, I saw The Godfather 3 for the first time the other day, and you know what? Well, it, to me, it's a 2018 release. <laughs> okay. Well, it's funny because uh, it, for our listeners or readers, there hasn't been anything to listen to or read this, this year so far because we didn't do anything in January because nothing came out in January. I was actually looking at the major studio releases, and like the most notable one was – like insidious four and it's just there's been nothing that's really interested me so there was nothing to really review or write about i don't even see i don't even see two or three come to think of it i saw the first one i liked it it's been january is particularly a dry month for movies but it's been really dry this this year until we get to the first week of february and surprise we find out netflix bought the new cloverfield movie they showed the first trailer during the Super Bowl and then released it to the masses immediately after the Super Bowl ended. And and me and you were both pretty eager to jump on it, right? I was pretty eager to jump on it. And I think um, there are at least three for three as far as marketing goes. I think that each film was released in such a way that uh, it kind of raised the bar for the next one, in all honesty. Mar- I like marketing ones. Marketing yeah. wise. Now, were, were we eager to jump on it because it was another Cloverfield installment or because there hasn't been any good genre stuff come out? I year? think, well, I'm a big fan of the first film. I liked the second film, but the second film didn't tie into the first one enough for my taste. But I heard rumors um, immediately after the announcement of this third film, The Cloverfield Paradox, where um, they were saying that the this film would be more of a sequel to the original film. So I got a little bit excited about that, and that's why I was uh, eager. I I jumped on it like pretty much the next uh, early afternoon after the announcement. Yeah, and I watched it the day after as well. So here's the thing: uh, in my mind, it's it, the Cloverfield Paradox, which to me sounds like a Born title. It's like the Born Paradox, and I keep forgetting the name. I want to call it the Cloverfield Project or the Cloverfield Conundrum. It's the Cloverfield Ultimatum. Yeah, it's kind of an awkward title, but uh, it is a bad movie. It is a really, really bad movie. But what is you liked it? Is, is a, you liked it a little better than me, right? I liked it a little more than you did. I was a little bit forgiving on it. And in all honesty, I thought it was interesting enough that it held my attention throughout. And um, it really is a shitty B movie that they just happened to shoehorn the Cloverfield premise into. And um, I think for the most part, it worked. Yeah, there was some eye rolling stuff that left me scratching my head or whatever. But um, all in all, I thought it was okay. And again, 
I think the gimmick of these movies is what helps sells it. I wasn't expecting Citizen Kane or, you know, whatever. I just, you know, I knew what I was going to get more or less. But this was, I thought it was interesting. It wasn't terrible. You know what, though? But when I broached with you the subject of recording this podcast, you said, well, I don't know what I have to say about that movie. Well, I gave it some thought ever since you spoke to me about doing this podcast. And uh, here we are now, and I'm revealing them to you one by one. <laughs> That's how I enjoy you reveal these things to me. Not all at once, but sequentially. In a row. Save that for the After Midnight podcast, Bob. <laughs> so, um, you're being too generous. This is a bad movie. It, it, it's, it's a bad fucking movie. That's it's, a, it's a bad movie. There's I mean, a lot of shit that goes on, on, unanswered. Like, I know you had a problem with, uh, Chris O'Dowd's severed arm. Oh, and the severed arm, the arm is it was ludicrous. Ridiculous. It makes, <clears throat> I mean, I realize a science fiction film, we gotta give them some leeway as far as concepts they come up with and stuff, but I mean, it makes no sense at all you know and i i'm kind of a prime target for this stuff i like stories about parallel universes and that sort of thing and it's just they do nothing interesting with it in this movie they, no come they, on man i thought they i thought no, they presented some uh, paradox related problems that no, were actually no, pretty no, no, interesting no, no, no. it's it's just a bad <clears throat> sort of high school freshman take on every science fiction story that deals with parallel universes, multiverses, rips in the space content continuum, that sort of thing. It brought nothing new to the table. It was pretty much just a bland take on every trapped in a spaceship movie that's come out since Alien. No, and, it was a little more than that. It was a little uh, more than that. I not, think uh, the whole relationship with her and her boyfriend and the fact that her kids were dead uh, in one dimension and but, not the other. Uh, that, she had that quandary of whether to go back to this new – like to stay in this new development, take over the role of mother and all that. I thought the potential was there for some interesting drama and I, you know, I don't think it was terrible. I mean, think about it. If she okay, stayed in uh, that in that universe where she was still her alternate self was still alive and her kids, she probably would have right. like killed that lady, like her other half. To all right, stick so around. so we're spoiling the shit out of this movie, but hopefully, people who listen to our show regularly know by now that we spoil the shit out of movies when we talk. Oh, about you didn't them. do us. You didn't do I, a spoiler. I, I, I forgot. I forgot <laughs> to do the spoiler alert at the beginning. So sorry, everyone. Spoiler alert. But. For for those who maybe are listening just for Terrence, me and Terrence's charming personalities and haven't seen the movie yet, it's basically about a group of – there's an energy crisis on Earth. A group of scientists are sent to space on a mission. They think they can build like a – it's like a – what's the thing What's the thing at CERN called? Like a Hadron Collider or whatever it is? It's like some half-life shit. I don't know. Yeah, like, the, a, like a particle A, part, thing, a particle yeah. accelerator. That's exactly it. The, this group of scientists go into space – why they had to go into space to do this, I'm not sure. Maybe they explained it in the movie. I might have been asleep. <laughs> but uh, they're building a particle accelerator, accelerator that they think can solve the Earth's energy crisis. And it, I didn't get that at all, to be honest with you. I yeah. didn't see how it worked. <laughs> it's, so it's only supposed to take a couple months. They end up being in space for like <clears throat> 600 days or something. And when they finally get it to work, it basically tears open a rift into a separate dimension and all kinds of craziness happens. And the two dimensions start kind of colliding, trying to like occupy the same space, basically. Which sounds vaguely interesting, and again, I like stories like that, but it's trust me, the movie is not as interesting as that description makes it sound. And it's it's well cast. It's got a great cast for sure, and I'm a big fan of David Oyelowo. I think he's Oyel. I don't know how you pronounce. I don't know what else he's in. What's he from? 
He's uh, in Jack Reacher. He's uh, the detective. Oh, oh, oh. See, I like. I mean, it's got and I'm Selma. Gonna, okay. Selma. It's gonna maul. I'm gonna maul this name, but it's got Gugu Mbatha Raw <clears throat> as its star. That who, sounds legit. She's uh, an actress, pro- probably best known for the um, San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, which she's excellent in, and she's really good here. It's just she doesn't have any material to work with. And it has Chris O'Dowd, who's normally a comic actor, uh, Z, Z Zhang Zhang, is that how I pronounce that? Yeah. Z Zhang, who most uh, genre fans will know. Um, Daniel Brühl from Inglorious Bastards and Captain America Civil War, where he was mm-hmm. baddie. So it's like, okay, you know, we got this interesting cast, kind of a cool concept. It doesn't work out very good. Then, then they have to shoehorn it into the Cloverfield universe, which is mm-hmm. done in a very sloppy way. There is this horrible bit of exposition with Donal Logue at the beginning that you can tell was filmed after the fact and sort of shoved in, I think, to explain some of the Cloverfield tie-in stuff that comes later in the movie. It's it's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing. Uh, I didn't think the tie-in to the Cloverfield universe worked all that well in the last movie. in a, What's it called? Ten Cloverfield Lane, right? <clears throat> yeah, I honestly didn't. That, that was the thing about that movie. Like, I liked it, and I thought that a more direct connection to the first film would have helped 10 Cloverfield Lane, but See, it was like, I, there was a spaceship, and there was some, like, I, I don't know what the deal was with I that. I am totally opposite of you. I think it would have been much, much better if they would have kept these movies just as sort of a thematic series that didn't tie into each other plot-wise at all. Like an anthology? Yeah, yeah just do an anthology. Just do an anthology under the Cloverfield banner where they're all sort of <clears throat> somewhat scary science fiction genre picks that maybe are tied together in theme or mood. But, uh, yeah, I mean... The aliens or monsters or whatever they are at 10 Cloverfield Lane don't work. And then this film, which is tied much more directly into the original Cloverfield. Again, huge spoiler alert. This ends up being a direct prequel to Cloverfield. Even though that makes no sense because in Cloverfield they're using flip phones and technology from the early 2000s. And now everyone's got iPhones and smartphones, so it's stupid. But it essentially ends up being a prequel to Cloverfield. And it makes for a really off-putting final scene that... It just strikes me as embarrassing, dude. I mean, you like that final bit where you see the monster from Cloverfield and Yeah. No, <laughs> I was happy to, I was happy to see that. Alright. I, 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 I loved that first film, dude. I really loved that first film. See, it was and fine. It was but... nice. what I liked about this one is that now it kind of seems like maybe, maybe, you know, fingers crossed that we're gonna get like a uh we're going to get a proper sequel to the first film. And I'd really like to see more of the monsters attacking cities and shit. I want to see more of that. Well, if they were going to do that, they should have just done that. That should have been Cloverfield too, rather than, well, I think what we witnessed here was they took a subpar movie that they didn't want to dump in the theater and they managed to shoehorn Cloverfield into it. I think that's what we saw. That's not a a great way to make movies. That's not a great way to tell a story, right? To buy someone's script, to buy their original idea, and say, "Ah, oh, this kind of fits the mood of what we do." Let's jam. Well, I mean, if you, let's if you jam think about it, that's what they did on the Die Hard movies. Yeah, and how did those turn out? Varying results. If you look at the Cold Spark <laughs> articles around the time that the fifth film came out, varying results is, yeah, that might be that might be generous too. Yeah, I, and, re- and really, <laughs> it's funny if you're going to bring up a good day to Die Hard. I the, honestly. 
Clover, the Cloverfield, what the hell is this movie called? The, the Cloverfield Paradox. That's kind of the in the ballpark. That's how bad this movie is. Wow, that's like actually offensive. I could barely sit through that fucking last Die Hard, and I, I don't. How exactly are we comparing these two films now? They're just both really. <laughs> they were sourced poorly. from other material. Is that what it is? Yeah, although I think um, actually, <laughs> a good day to Die Hard was not. I think that was the first one that was written as a Die Hard sequel from scratch. The hell with that. Okay, forget all this. We're that's enough talking about the movie. Uh, I think it's not worth your time. Terrence thinks it's okay is sort of a junky movie in a Cloverfield sequel. Does that sound fair? Yeah, dude. I would give it probably like three stars. It wasn't terrible. I was able to watch it. But, I mean, you know, there was a lot of stuff about it that I just found to be kind of grating. Like, there were a lot of questions that they left unanswered, and I couldn't. It's like they were trying to give you this sense of evil and this atmosphere, but then at the end of the day, it's like it just didn't make sense. All right. The the movie totally plays up that there's some sort of invisible evil force on the ship that it then does nothing with. It's then completely dropped in favor of a human villain in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Exactly. I'm reading a Hollywood Reporter article. And they say something about how J.J. Abrams was talking about how the Twilight Zone was one of the original influences on this movie. And I felt like the movie played like a t- an episode of some TV show, like a high-priced BBC sci-fi thing. That's what I felt like, like in terms of the production values and uh, how the movie came off. Okay. I would disagree, but let's talk. Let's forget the movie and talk about honestly the more interesting thing here, which is Netflix. Okay. So Netflix and how they've basically become a movie distribution company now. Um, you remember this is the company we used to rent movies off, getting DVDs in the mail from. Uh, they went to streaming. They tripled down on original content they started producing their own tv shows and now they are producing their own films some pretty major stuff martin scorsese's next movie with uh de niro and pesci and pacino it's like the spiritual sequel to like goodfellas and casino is actually gonna drop on netflix yeah i know a couple of people who worked on it actually um right so this is like there's been a lot of debate on netflix whether this is good for film whether it's giving, you know, another it's a place for low to mid budget movies to be released. It's a place that will buy movies that the big studios who only really care about franchise and franchises and superhero movies will take a chance on. Or is this just, or is this just a much of too? Is this an example of too much? Are they just buying up crap, a.k.a. the Cloverfield paradox? and just, you know, adding it to their never ending list of content. And I've also heard a lot of complaints about them removing the theater experience from the equation, which, you know, a lot of cineasts, film diehards, really cherish that, you know, movie theater experience. And with Netflix, you're not getting that. So, Terrence, you're, I mean, you're a big movie fan. And, I mean, and you're a filmmaker. You work in that industry. Uh, so where do you come down? How do you feel about Netflix as a movie studio and a distribution model? They're bringing back something that the uh, movie industry, the movie, the movie viewing experience needs. And it's like it's a gimmick. And what they've been doing lately is that they've been releasing films that have been kind of gimmicky. Bright is, was also sort of a gimmicky movie. This right here, what they just did was a perfect fit for how these movies have been released. You know, so I don't have a problem with it. Um, 
I'll bet you any money that the next film that they release is going to be something, again, completely different, which might not even wind up on Netflix. Who knows what they're going to do with the next one? But I'm looking forward to seeing what J.J. Abrams is going to do with the next one and how he's going to release it. Now, I don't even know if there's going to be a next one after this, honestly, but I, I think so. People there's want supposedly, to see more of that monster. There's supposedly a World War II set one in the works that's supposed to be part of the franchise, but really? I'm not sure if it's still going to happen. Well, let's go back a step. You were basically asking me what, like about the the Netflix model of releasing movies. You know yeah, what? I'm mean, I'm in the I'm in the camp that that I think that the movie business is seriously dying. I feel like there's a lot like like the turnaround window from from theatrical to home is just like it's like two months now. It's like why are you gonna spend money to see these movies when the fucking at this point the Blu-rays on release are cheaper than the tickets here in New York City. So it's like I can wait two two months to get the movie that I really want to see. And I got to set up with the nice like home theater, big screen and the surround sound. So I can wait. I literally have like a decent viewing theater in my home that at this point, Netflix knows like they're, they're calling they're calling it. And I'm pretty sure that they know that the movie industry is going down the fucking the, the tank. At least the theater view. Well, I mean, the thing is, I don't have much sympathy for the Netflix is killing the theatrical experience people because the theatrical experience, like you say, is going to shit. I mean, they're overcharging us for 3D, which I don't want. They're overcharging us for IMAX, which I don't need. There, I go to the movies, I'm dealing with the prices, I'm dealing with crying babies, I'm dealing with, you know, all that crap. I, I have a nice TV at my house. I have surround sound Dolby 5.1. I get a pretty decent viewing experience at my house. And if Netflix is going to fund movies and release movies that nobody else will, even if they're taking, you know, outcast, studio outcasts like this Cloverfield movie, that's fine. I mean, there may be, I haven't been blown away by a Netflix film yet. I watched, I reviewed Oakja for the site. Which, I didn't see that. And which, I didn't see Bright either, being which, that I mentioned this. I haven't watched Bright. I don't have much of an interest in Bright, but I watched Oakja. I'm just not a Max Landis fan. Anytime I see that Nobody guy's is. name, I just get like, <laughs> I feel like I get STD or something. Um, Oakja, I mean, it's fine. People liked it better than me. I thought it was solid, but it, it was a good, interesting movie. And you're not going to see that funded by a major studio. No one wants to fund Scor- a, a Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci I don't think that's what it is. I think that he just went to Netflix because, hey, why not jump on this new thing and try it out? So, I I mean... Come on, what studio in their right mind is going to turn down a fucking movie that has Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and there's more people in it, too. From what I read, it was turned down. That movie's been in the works for a long time, and I'm pretty sure that studios balked at the pricing for it. And, How and much, also, well, what was the budget on this thing? I don't know. I'm also going to bet that Netflix gives that a small theatrical release to qualify it for awards. But um, but in general, it's going to be a Netflix movie. And it's like, you know, there can't be too many movies. I mean, even if like 80% of the original product that Netflix turns out, even if it's going to be shitty, if 20% of it is really cool, sort of interesting stuff that, w- that I wasn't going to get otherwise – then bring it on. I'll take the 80% shitty stuff. I don't have to watch it. Um, oh shit. The guy who did, um, Moon and Warcraft, Duncan Jones. Is that Duncan his name? Jones. Duncan Jones' new film, Mute, they just dropped the trailer for. And oh, that's I don't know gonna, about that. yeah, yeah, that's gonna come out on Netflix. Okay. And it's like, I, I'm kind of fine with them blowing up the status quo, right? Hey man, I, I'm all for change. I, I like, I'm not a conservative like that. 
let's just, you know, let's try it out. I don't see the problem with trying out, especially since they really have no ideas on what to make of the viewing experience in the theater. And I mean, sure, a new, the new Star Wars movie comes out or Avengers comes out. I'm going to want to go to the theater and have my face blown off and see it with a crowd, of course. But, uh, you know, these smaller films, again, I have a good setup at home. I realize not everybody does. But if you're a movie fan and you're enough of a movie fan to be online bitching about the theatrical experience, get a good setup at your house. It's fine. And you have a nice setup. I know you have a projector and the whole deal. I mean, what, how often do, would you rather watch stuff at home than go deal with theater nonsense? Pretty much all the time, <laughs> unless it's a film that absolutely demands that I see it in a theater. Like Transformers 6. Nah, man. <laughs> man, I, you know what? They'll, don't get me started on that. No one. I still haven't finished watching it. Which, which tell the people listening, you own on Blu-ray. I bought it on Blu-ray because it was Transformers. 10 bucks. What's the, I wanted what's the subtitle, something. What's the subtitle on The that Last one? Night. It was a 3D disc. These things are normally about 30 <laughs> bucks. And I say, hey, you know what? I want a movie that's a little bit like action-packed and ridiculous. Something like a demo disc for my home theater. I got 25 minutes through this movie and I could not, I, I don't, I don't have it in me to put it back Transformers in. Transformers The Last Night is your demo it's, disc. It's, it was a demo disc. <laughs> a demo disc. All right, a potential one, you know. Say what you want about those Transformers movies, but as oh, far as actions and effects and and really good surround sound go, they fit the bill. That's what makes them entertaining. But this new one, I I can't, can't do it. People, I bet people weren't expecting a mini Transformers last night review in their Cloverfield Paradox podcast. But that's how we deliver. Sometimes we zig, we zag, we throw out surprises. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. A little schizophrenia. But so, yeah, basically, I'm down with it. What did you think about this in particular when, you know, because there was news, film Twitter was a buzz before the Super Bowl even started that something big was going to go down that night. And we were all guessing, is it a trailer? Is it an announcement? What is it? And then it turns out, oh, the new Cloverfield movie that it had been rumored Netflix's was going to buy. It's dropping tonight. What do you think about that strategy specifically? Like literally letting people watch a movie two hours after it's announced. That's fucking awesome. That just shows that there's still an interest in keeping the magic of movies alive. The the, the secrecy, like not knowing what's going to happen, not fucking having not having read all the spoilers for the movie a month or two before the thing yeah. even came out. You know, you what? know what I mean? Th- there's it's awesome. There is really something to that too, because I, you know, the, the solo trailer came out the other day mm-hmm. and like an hour after it was out, I saw a headline on my Twitter feed that said like the 12 coolest star Wars references from the solo trailer. And I swear to Christ, I almost just chucked my iPad out the window. I, 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 it's like, no, I don't what want if- I don't want what upset you so much. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, because it's 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 nice to not have the entirety of a movie nitpicked and broken down and thought pieces written about it before it even comes out or the second it comes out. It's kind of nice. Like here, nobody knows. I mean, we didn't know anything about this movie. You know, it started streaming. Everyone's watching it. We have no idea if it's good or if it's bad or if it's and that's kind of neat. Because at the least, a major movie comes out now. I mean, the Black Panther embargoed today as we're reco- ended today as we're recording this. Did you see it? The movie? Yeah. No. My no. S- the, the the what? The porn. Yes, the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I have not. I, I do have a screening here, but it's only like two days before release. Yeah, I'm seeing an opening day matinee, but, old um, man style. Anyway, you know, 
critics, online critics, are going to kind of feel like that's old news by the time it opens on film Twitter circles. So it's I, nice. It's, I actually it's, have a friend who saw it twice already. I know, My so, friend Brandon, I mean, he saw is, it twice. This is the kind of the way it goes now. And, and you know, even if you don't have access to screenings or whatever, you're inundated with the tweets and everything. And it's just nice to say, here, people haven't seen it, critics haven't seen it, go watch this movie in an hour. And then after a couple hours, words started coming out that it was bad, but we watched anyway because you know why, Terrence? Because we needed to get some content up at Cult Spark and provide for our dear listeners, right? Yeah, <laughs> we should we should go back to talking about Cloverfield a little bit. You think? I don't think there's oh. anything. I don't think there's anything else to say about that film. It is. It's it's just. Uh, well, look, I'm reading. I'm reading too that Netflix doesn't release its ratings, so we're never really going to know how successful. Right. That's how this it is, thing is. That's how it is with their shows. Nobody knows how like. You know, everyone treats their uh, Marvel shows like a big, like big hits, but no one really knows if if you would compare them to cable see, TV or network TV. Maybe that's a good thing. Like once you remove like how good the film is doing, then you can judge the film more right. on its own merits. That's, than, than it's like that's fair. The box too. office, the I, ratings. Terrence, you are making some excellent points. I'm glad I got you on the show tonight because the, so much of the talk about movies and TV revolves around box office and ratings. That's, that's what becomes the narrative. So if you take that out of it completely, just like you said, you can focus entirely on, is the show good? Is the show not good? Did the show work for you or movie? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like rotten tomatoes. It's like, Ugh. It's kind of fucked up that you have Rotten Tomatoes, which uh, it, it has the best of intentions, but at the same time, it's like you're having movies getting slaughtered out the gate based on their Rotten Tomato score, and yet it's at the end of the day, you're going by people's opinions. You should watch movies on based on your interest and make up your own mind. Well, and, uh, you're still going to deal with Rotten Tomatoes when it comes to Netflix. That stuff still gets reviewed. But yeah, but I agree that taking box office and ratings out of it at least removes that from the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, hey, dude, I, I I'm glad you came on to talk with me about this. I'm glad we could get hopefully the first of many podcasts we're going to put up this year. Um, we should do another one soon. I would expect the Black Panther one uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, Terrence, we've talked about doing some older movies. That's what we really need to do in 2018. Let's watch some older movies. You know, maybe you should put it out to the web and see if we get any suggestions. I'm done with that. See, yeah, if anybody's listening and wants us to talk for a half hour about one of your faves, a cult classic, anything like that, let us know on Twitter. You can find us at Cult Spark. You can find me at Robert B. Taylor. You can find Terrence at Cinema Parker. Of course, the website, cultspark.com. We're on Facebook. Please find us, friend us, like us, give us a nice review on iTunes. Try to hump our legs. Oh, I, let's not go that far. But, but, but we don't do the show certainly for money and we don't do it for attention. We do it because we love film and love TV and like interacting with like-minded people online. So the more you want to interact with us, the more, the happier we'll be. But yeah, no humping of our legs. I, I'm down that. with it, man. I'm still holding true hump, to that. Hump Terrence's leg. Otherwise, brother, it's been good to talk to you tonight. Oh, likewise, man. Let's do it again soon. All right. Uh, everyone at home, thanks for listening in your car or at the gym or wherever you're at. And we will be back soon. Take care.